Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Dan Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by Chicago DJ Ariel Zatina. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you all? Good. Doing really well. Yeah, it's we've we were talking about this before we started that it's just been a very slow day, but a very like good mood day. And like it's one of these things where like I knocked over a bottle of water and you know, like <laughs> but um but like I'm, I feel good about it, you know. Like just taking the mistakes in stride, and just like, and I, that sounds sarcastic, but I mean it. Like I feel really like I don't know what's up with. I think just because it's maybe it's Friday or something. Pro- honestly, probably. Well, so That's this is. The- I sorry, I just cut you off. Oh no, you're fine. Well, the thing that I know I really want to talk to you about is, um, and the thing that made me think of this was being like, oh, because it's Friday, but like. It, you seem to also work in a very non-traditional um, week routine. Do you know what I mean? Like, a, yeah, and definitely. The, the thing I wanted to ask you about too was like, do you also work like, like? Let me ask the question this way: What's like your daily routine like? Do you work mostly at night or in the morning? Um, well, actually, it's so I for so many years only ever worked from like like three a.m. to like six a.m. and like wow, that was yeah. always my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've been recently doing it where I've been working like I'll wake up like like not that early, but like you know like like ten is early for me at the moment because I'm a club girl, so I'm always in the club. Yeah, so I'm always yeah. like I'm always like yeah, I have to be up till five, and then so like yeah, I'll like I'll usually wake up and either like have my I'm doing my errands day and I'm cleaning or I'm having a work on music day or I'm having like a, I'm sending a bunch of emails day, which honestly a lot of days end up being that just mm-hmm. because, you know, that's how it goes. And yeah. like, since I throw parties too, it's like, I have to put on my promoter hat a lot of the time. Um, and then, but that's, so that's my kind of like Monday through Thursday. I'll maybe have like one or two gigs in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then recently it's been a lot of traveling on the weekend. So it's been like my Friday to Monday are kind of just, reserved for that and I like try as much as possible to like not bring my computer with me and like just focus on doing a live gig but yeah my weekend my weeks are very weird my weeks are very I'm like still getting used to it because it's only been recently maybe in the past six months or so where it's been very precisely like this but I have a very specific routine right now but it involves a lot of like I don't know. I always, like, tell people, I'm, like, I'm never in the club. I'm always, like, at home with my cats if I'm not, yeah. like, working. <laughs> yeah. But it just yeah. looks like I'm in the club a lot. So I'm, like, well, yeah, I, you I, know. I had this... The reason why I, I jumped into this before we even got into anything is because um, I had this moment where... And I realized this, and I love all the guests we have on, but a lot of them have, like, day jobs. And so with, like, editing the magazine, I spend a lot of time, like, preparing stuff for 9 a.m., so oh, I end up totally. staying up very late, and so anytime we have someone on this kind of, like, oh, how's your day going thing, like, I'm usually having to translate the, like, okay, wait, what do 9 to 5 people talk about? Like, totally, <laughs> like, totally. But, like, what? And so it was just, it was very refreshing to be like, oh, wait a minute, no, like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, um, yeah, because, like, I, I sometimes I feel guilty waking up at 11, but then I'm like, I worked until, I worked so late last night. Yeah, like, it's it's just, I'm always, like, I get my eight hours, but, like, mm-hmm. it just is at random time. It's whenever I go to sleep, <laughs> and then I'll wake up, like, before that. But, you know, it's, like, nights like this where it's, like, I'm DJing tonight, and then I'm going, I have a 6 a.m. plane, so I'm, like, I'm just gonna, like, be zen tonight, and yeah. just, you know, have my moment, and then just go, because I was, like, I, like... I'm too old now to be, like, partying until, like, I have to go and then, like, getting on the plane because I'm, like, I will inevitably just vomit on the plane and Mm -hmm. it won't be cute. (laughs) But, yeah. No, but I, yeah, I don't know. I've definitely been in, like, yeah, 9 to 5 world is such a different clock for sure. And whenever I've been in that, I'm always, like, what? Like, it's just, like, like this time I would always be, like, dead tired. Yeah. Like, for whatever time it is right now. Right. Yeah. No, and I, you know, I'm a person that deeply appreciates routine because I think that, especially when you have a creative mindset, you're like, I want to find out how to just, like, churn out my best hours, you know, so that I can, this is the peak time that I should be sitting down and writing or or whatever. And um, it's it's just such a, it's a hard thing to figure out. And anyway, so what what I actually, that is all, like, a very interesting conversation that I wish we'd provided context for, (laughs) which is, um, for people that maybe aren't familiar with you and your work, would you mind kind of, like, letting people know what you do? Yeah, um, so... I am a DJ and a producer uh, in Chicago mostly, but I also travel a bunch, but I'm I'm based in Chicago and I do all my work in Chicago. 
Um, and I run a couple of different club nights in Chicago. Um, I'm a resident at Smart Bar is sort of my main my main gig and connection in Chicago. But I also do a couple other nights at this bar, The Hideout, um, which is one of my favorite institutions in Chicago. Um, mm. And then I also work at Berlin, which is actually the first Berlin nightclub, not Berlin, Germany. But um, <laughs> which I always have to, you know, whenever you're talking to Chicago people who are like sort of in nightlife scene, you talk about Berlin and people know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I'm always like, not, not like I, it's a, and then you just think of how horrible of a name it is for a bar. Like, pardon my, I, it's like they're all gonna hear that and be like, whatever. I mean, it's like there's so many bars that are named that. Like, there's like a New York, New York, and Austin. Like, there's so much stuff. There's a Barcelona mm-hmm. in Austin. Like, you know, it's just like a name, but yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to Barcelona tonight. And you're like, damn, that's ambitious. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like a lot of that conversation that happens. So I'm always like Berlin nightclub. But, anyways, I'm, yeah, but that, that's the first place I've been working there forever that's the first place ever it's mm-hmm. like a wonderful place i'm just like trash talking and i'm like yeah i work there no but it's yeah no it's it's a beautiful place and it's like you know it's one of the first places that had a lot of you know club punks and stuff that were like famous like for like like mickey blanco and leaf and like like amanda lapore performed there and like peaches performed there you know that kind of like industrial queer sort of renaissance all happened there which is really cool or all yeah. you know that was this was the first a lot of people were getting their first taste of those artists at this club. Um, anyways, I totally went on a, uh, no, a rant. No, yeah, this is fantastic. But- <laughs> well, because I think it really um, like verbalizes one of the things I kind of wanted to touch on with with my like wanting to have you on the show is is um, from our understanding, mean, you know, we're two white straight cishet people that are just kind of like observing, but like in a lot of ways, this there is an industrial queer renaissance going on right now and a lot of people don't, like that's it's such a it's so like amazing like the art the work that's coming out of it and the music that's coming out of it and um like from you know from my understanding like the few people that we know, that we've met personally and kind of now like getting to hear a lot of the music that's coming out of this space like it's it's phenomenal and you seem to be very much like a backbone of that space yeah like not to like (laughs) anyway sorry go ahead what were you gonna say no no i like appreciate that and i feel like i also have to like own that to some extent because i definitely you know i i just started throwing parties a lot because i didn't and i started djing also because of the same reason is that i didn't necessarily hear the music that i wanted to be hearing in the club in the club and i really didn't expect a lot of people to catch on but they definitely did um and you know there was definitely there's there's been people doing it side by side with me the entire time it was never just like i'm going to do this thing and i'm doing that like i remember first meeting um the whole future head collective like mm. they they were all super influential and sort of like i just remember going to some of their shows and being like i didn't know you were into this exact music too and we would be like nerding about about like specific types of club genre stuff that were just like I was like, how are we both listening to this? This is like not based in Chicago at all. Like, I don't know what's going on. So yeah, I mean, I think because I was just playing out a lot in Chicago, like, and I was able to also, you know, be a promoter. And I was very much about like putting people on the, for the first time. And mm-hmm. like a lot of people definitely started paying attention, which was really cool. And I don't know, I just think there's a lot of cool producers in Chicago that are, and cool DJs in Chicago that are just like, really excited about changing form up a lot and like really you know making something really you know there's a lot of there's a lot of you know uh what's the word just like a lot of things sound the same a lot of the time so it's nice Mm -hmm. to always you know i i always appreciate when someone is like like make someone pay attention in the club but also can like you know make someone dance for the whole time that's that that's a an, an interesting kind of like balance to strike where like yeah like you do want to you like the whole the point of like creating music is to create something memorable Mm -hmm. but at the same time you don't want it to be distracting to the purpose you know like you like you 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 know you're writing this music so that people dance to it but at the same time you do want people to be like damn that's awesome and not just it be like a wash yeah well and i think that that's something that i think is um really interesting you know one of the things we kind of talked about um, before we started recording was the idea of um, not just being a DJ, but kind of like working in inter- interdisciplinary, uh, like thinking. Um, how has that kind of uh, manifested it, itself in the way that you uh, like publish and uh, and produce and like make music? Does this make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, 
You know, I think that the the thing, because I come from a theater world mostly, and mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of theater. I was doing a lot of writing in theater, mostly in playwriting and a lot in poetry, but also like doing a bunch of different stuff. I was doing performance art for a while. Um, so I've had my like, I've had my hand in sort of a lot of different time-based art forms like that. Sure. Like I definitely, yeah. my expertise is not in like uh you know i i'm actually just now beginning to try to like be like what does my visual art look like and i've been trying to actually like make my own graphics more so as like originally as like a oh i you know i need to just do this and i'll pay someone and just like pay myself to do right. it but also you know it's just uh i think developing that practice and being like what is that practice for me but um yeah i think for me the the biggest thing that i take from all my other work in art forms is that sort of uh you know, that grasp of getting, uh, not necessarily getting a a grasp of, like, a narrative, like, from start to finish, but getting, like, someone's, uh, how do you curate uh, a listener or a dancer's whole experience from, like, beginning to end over the course of a certain period of time. And I think for me that that has been really important. Uh, I think moments of stillness and moments of text have been really uh, something that I've been able to channel a lot I definitely think about a lot of like what text I'm putting into my my work just because it's you know producing and teaching is such like a you know it's such an instrumental world and it's such a you know I got I think I got into that more so than theatrical stuff originally because I was like oh it allows you to express things that are inexpressible by words like that's definitely the big thing for me that got me to this got me to this practice but you know words are words are really important and words can actually like name the thing you're feeling and actually be useful for that well and i the thing that's really you know remarkable to me is um going through like your soundcloud weirdly i have i always am interested in the way that people structure their soundclouds Mm -hmm. because there is kind of a level of where you can build forms and stuff and that i think is something that reads through is that you have an understanding of what format like looks like and i think there's a a myth that like night scene makers don't do that like is that something that you've like that you felt or experienced or oh yeah i mean definitely i see it in like the you know some of the people that are doing installations in nightclubs some some people are doing these yeah there's just like a less respected sort of um definitely a sort of institutional thing but then it's funny because like a lot of galleries and a lot of um you know bigger things will look to nightlife and will try to like use that to ignite it but when you know when these people are giving them jobs in like an actual thing it's in very like you you were DJing in this in this position besides like not necessarily like actually making them the artist or something mm-hmm. but yeah I mean I definitely feel that I think it's becoming less and less so and I think like all of the interesting institutions are like you know it's uh I always think about like MoMA PS1's warm-up uh whole series that they do over the summer where they just like the curation of it is just absolutely insane and they're getting mm-hmm. people from all over the world and like really actually have their grasp on who like uh who nightlife is and who poc nightlife is around the world and who queer nightlife is around the world so like it's definitely you know it's definitely something that there there are institutions working on that but i definitely you know there's I, I I appreciate that I've been involved in in both the different periods of my t- life because I just like you know I definitely have a privilege of being allowed to access those spaces easier mm. and then being able to do that because like I don't necessarily those spaces those spaces don't necessarily make it easy for you to access if you're just kind of like you know but that's it's you know I'm talking about big ass you know institutions sure yeah like i think i think it's different in sort of a diy gallery scene or a diy um like like art scene or punk scene or something do you feel a burden of translation ever do you know uh you know i feel a burden of translation before i start playing and then when i start playing like everyone understands it yeah like i don't know i just like people a lot of the time i think will be you know it's like when you see things at I'm trying to decide what I'm gonna say. Because I'm like, I'm like, is I like, I'm either gonna make a point or it's just gonna be like, what? Like, I do not understand what that was gonna be. um, (laughs) No, I, I mean, I think that I think that people like everyone likes to dance and people are like down for it and like if it's, but it's also you know things that are dancey or things that like use like Rihanna's voice or something are like 
for some reason that content is just like not it's not as lauded in certain communities so i think mm. it sometimes takes people like if they just hear about it they're like i don't know like that sounds just like some like weird top 40 club and i'm like not into that and like people like really i don't know i think quantized rhythm really scares people in sort of um not club spaces and they're just like i don't get why it's like the same thing like over and over and over so i don't know i i mean this is also like very black and white me talking about this and it's not really talking about i i'm not I'm not like secretly picturing in my head that it's some institution that's rude me or something. But right. you know what I mean? No, yeah. It's just like a bit I think I think as soon as I start playing, it's like, you know, I'm interested in sort of uh in things beyond just making people dance. So I think that's like what's up. But you know, it's a, a DJs are really functional I always think about myself as an artisan more than an artist sometimes because it's like you can use DJing for a lot of different things. Like there's a lot of different ways that you can make money off of it and it's not it it's there's just many different paths you can go and how you want to use it is like what's important i think some people use it all for art and some people use it all for like like a wedding dj is a perfect yeah. example you know it's like i mean i like i did co-check at this bar mitzvah and i was like there was literally like a group of like three djs plus like three people in the audience that were like hyping like the bar mitzvah up and i was like they're probably making just like so much money right now because they've like <laughs> mastered a way to you know find this find this malleable thing that you can literally like make a business out of DJing a party and it was lit I was like they like made it they had it lit the entire time and you know there's just it's there's so many different skill level or skill skill sets you can use to yeah to sort of do it you actually literally in that entire train of thought like (laughs) completely like anticipated every question I was going to ask like I was like I was like you know as a person I was thinking like well as a person who you know is kind of more curatorial in their in their DJing like what is like I guess this question still applies like kind of and this might be stupid but kind of in that community in that more curatorial space like is there room for like the wedding DJ or is that like a completely different animal that's you know i i honestly i wish there was more room for the wedding dj to be to be looked at as a but i think there's such a hierarchy in the system like it's just so crazy that this this function and this you know this sort of performance is going to be viewed it's it's not as like capitalized and i think that's in all art art forms to some extent but it's just like you know it's like a less of a thing when it's like you know i'm trying to think of like other art form like it's like less like if someone's playing the violin at like the wedding it's like that's like even that that's viewed as something that so that person is like like honored and everything but a wedding dj scene is like cheesy and awful and like whatever yeah. which is like i'm sure there's definitely cheesy wedding djs but it's like <laughs> you know it's not it's it's not people are basing it more like the expectation of content always comes with like even when i say i'm a dj it's like people imagine like you know like zach efron we are your friends like me just playing edm like that's like definitely what people are picturing i do yeah well i think this is so this is um an interesting thought because one of the things that um why i'm really drawn to music is i always appreciate when people like explore um dissonance sonically and i feel like that's something that you're very into and i think and i really deeply appreciate that but in a lot of ways that goes against the like you know like skrillex is very consonant like it's it's like it right it's very it has like aggressive like rhythmic things going but like it's all pretty like the you know if you want to get into like the music theory of it like it's really not that complicated but um but in a lot of ways yeah Mm -hmm. is do you find do you get that where people are like oh i was expecting this to the music to be like for lack of a better way of putting it like simpler um yes and no i feel like (laughs) well yeah, yeah yeah yes and no because i definitely feel like some of my music is just sometimes like literally like i yeah i i yeah, I think, I don't know. I think people, yeah, I think people want it sometimes easier to be, um, like, eaten up because it's neither, it's, like, kind of rhythmic, but it's also kind of, like, ambient sometimes or mm-hmm. kind of, you know, stuff. But it, like, still follows enough of a structure where, like, you can play it in a club, but if you play it next to other things, it's going to sound, like, very weird and, yeah, dissonant, I think, is a good term. But I always think, like, I've always, like, I've always tried to make, like, I think, like, for some reason why this 
whole like uh, practice in genre works for me is that like I'm always trying to recreate something in my head and then like whatever comes out is just like not like the actual genre I started with at all and I think just for some reason that helps me sort of contextualize my work and ground my work in something so I'm always like I I think I've begun to more embrace the sort of crazy and the sort of uh unquantized and the sort of like I was making something today and I was like this literally is starting with like like a harp and like a low synth but then like there's also like a hi-hat going the whole time and and it's like an Aaliyah sampling track I I was just like I don't know it's a remix for someone and I was like I think it turned it out well because the producer was like this is amazing blah 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 but I was just like I don't know like I I'm glad I feel confident in that because I definitely was like I hate what I'm doing and what I'm doing is not gonna be considered good because it isn't um it doesn't sound like other things, I guess. And I think that kind of, that kind of scared me for a long time. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it like when you put it next to other things, it sounds, it doesn't sound right. the same. Well, and I, you know, something that you touched on earlier is that, um, and something that we've been thinking a lot is, um, the world right now is very much craving change. Like it's craving, like, it, like we're all kind of looking for like the next genre or like the next space. And in a lot of ways, like the people that are making right now are, are, you know, I'm. I've been trying to put into words this idea of um, people that find themselves in the 2010s and late 2010s and going into 2020s, like this space of I what thought I was making a thing that was so different that it couldn't be understood, but then people started kind of gravitating towards it, and then now I have people that find my SoundCloud or like find my Facebook page or you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. And I'm trying to quantify like the what what the moment is of like okay i the this is a thing that doesn't sound like anything else but now this is a thing that people are coming to to sound for like i want something that sounds like this totally yeah absolutely and and i don't really entirely know how to communicate that besides the fact that it seems like that's something that you're going through (laughs) like that that like like yeah that this idea of what because what you've what your work is is not you know, like, before we were even talking, I was like, I'm trying to figure out how to... Because in a lot of ways, it's like, we were talking about Death Grips, and I thought that was uh-huh. interesting that, that you also... Because I hear that influence in your music, but I wouldn't call it whatever the genre of Death Grips is. Right. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, so, I mean, is that... Do you... How... Hmm. <laughs> how do you find yourself talking about the genre of music that you're working in oh my gosh it's so hard it's so hard i well so i in my like my short answer is always like i make club music like that's my shortest answer because like that also to certain if if someone is in a certain sort of like scene they'll understand what that means because it's just like basically like a forum that was formed out of bass music but the like me saying i play bass music sounds awful like it just sounds like you know i'm playing like like do do like just like the worst sort of you know just like broy fratty yeah. music so i usually it honestly depends what i'm saying sometimes i say club sometimes i say like i'm like i play mostly techno but it also has other stuff in it i'll say that sometimes i'll sometimes say like techno but rihanna like i feel like i do that a lot <laughs> it's actually really um, good. It's yeah good. i'm like that's that's like always like on my yeah because it's like i i don't know i i feel like for me it's like what what i really feel like i'm like club music is like the short answer but like the genres that i'm most pulling from i think are probably house techno i pull a lot from vogue um i pull a lot from grime still which is like Mm. UK hip hop like that it's like but like instrumental grime I guess because that was a huge I like pull from like other other sort of world clubs a lot like I like I use a lot of like Jersey club I like pull from a lot of um like more like either like uh Latinx influence sort of beats either from there or from like um different Latinx diasporas in Europe so I like different ones like that so it's from a lot I don't know I feel like I just I pull from like a lot of different sort of like percussive like percussion is the most important to me thing probably yeah I pull from soca a lot because it's like that's that's what I feel like like growing up um I that's like definitely the music my mom introduced to me that I feel like I 
connected to the most in terms of like that so I don't know it's for a lot of stuff but it's mostly just house of di- like I'm mostly like techno but Rihanna or yeah. like techno but yeah. make it fashion exactly <laughs> it's like aren't like I feel like I pull from R&B a lot techno but make it fashion is like a really great that's like amazing <laughs> yeah but yeah I don't know I think it's like it. it's and it's I think it like it's the exact reason why I'm like genre genre stuff is stupid and like it's like somebody will name what i'm doing later. well hopefully in an ideal world someone will name what everyone is doing right now later like yeah. deconstructed club it's called a lot i feel like but deconstructed club is like not necessarily what i'm doing because it's pretty constructed like yeah I don't know. and it makes it sound like it's supposed to be in an art gallery or something yes exactly or yeah. like, exactly or like on chef's table or something. oh my yeah. god yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> are you from chicago i'm not actually so i uh i've lived here for a while but i grew up in florida and like cool what part of florida did you where um like right outside jacksonville cool yeah i lived in orlando for like 10 years oh my gosh yeah Yeah. um i have been to orlando so many times it's a lot yeah yeah what did you what did you do when you went to orlando um oh my gosh see i honestly every like school trip we took when i was growing up was like to disney world like i just mostly went to disney honestly i cannot tell you anything else about orlando besides like international drive and disney like that's kind of it so um my biggest and i don't know why i'm going on this tangent but uh, here i am the my favorite part of living in orlando was we used to sneak into the disney hotels oh my god we'd go and so um in any of these disney hotels there are just like really rich people that get they have these like concierge floors oh my god and so they're just buffets for people that spend like thousand dollars a night or whatever and so we start. We would go so often that we started like being able to tell, like, oh, that's the person that's headed to the concierge. So then we'd follow them into the elevator and then get to the concierge level and just like hang out and and like because they'd have like beer and like <laughs> wine and like a buffet and it was just like. Yeah, I don't know what brought me to the point where I was like, I really want to tell this story. That's but lit, though. It was amazing. What, yeah, what, yeah. what like hotel was had the best? Like what, Grand what Floridian. Was- Oh my god! Yeah, definitely the Grand Floridian was really good. I was I got in a weird YouTube K hole a couple days ago watching. It's it was literally the best. I was like I started in like I was watching like Tokyo tourist videos, but then it got into like Disney, like moms talking about Disney and rating all the different hotels and all the different restaurants and all the different like. It was it was so specific. I was like this these moms are probably just like crazy like I was just a mad like the way she was talking I was like there's so many like notebooks and like files and everything about like Disney and I was like this is probably the most planned vacation every time they go I was like this is so intense but it's it's a crazy world there it's yeah. like Orlando is a crazy place for sure well and I think this is really okay because now we've really touched on a, another kind of aspect to all of this which is like in a lot of ways like things that are being made right now are pull from like deep cut of references like I think of this yeah. a lot of sampling like a lot of sampling is like are deep deep cuts do you find that like when you because it also seems like that's something that you do is kind of reference deep cuts mm-hmm. like do you find that that your audience like are, is right there with you or do you have to do like the oh this is what this is from kind uh, of thing? I no, I yeah, I think I have to do this is what this is from because I I feel like I just cut things up so much that it just is sometimes like not very like you can't really tell what it is. Like even like I have like a I have something coming out that's like has like a major like RuPaul's Drag Race uh sort of like it, it wasn't from RuPaul's Drag Race, but it was from like one of the queens. It's like a speech that she does. And I was like, I thought this was a clear reference and everyone like doesn't know what it is, which yeah. is like fine because I'm like not trying to get called out for it because I like don't have the well, I shouldn't say that on I don't have the rights to but she'll never know I like no but I I'm also like trying to maybe contact yeah. her and be like yeah but Rue, Rue doesn't listen to our podcast okay great yeah, yeah. I'm like, she just like she just like bills you and you're like just like what the fuck like, yeah. I can't but if she does though and we, we're all gonna be on the come up I feel like I mean I, I don't know but like my point being though is that like I, sometimes I think like well because I do this thing where I'm really into making weird videos with like tracks on like like weird you ever heard of these like no copyright YouTube sites or whatever like it's very it seems like it's probably very common and for people that are actually like do making work where that's heavy on sampling to try and like find sounds from different like no copyright or like totally. public domain shit I was doing that today I was literally really? yeah. freesound.org is like my favorite one yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I always I because I find myself doing this thing where I'm like, okay, obviously I run a magazine, like I should be really cared about rights. And I do care a lot about rights. But if I were to use something 
that like was really well known and then that person reached out to me like of course i'm going to take that thing down but also like maybe someone will write an article about it and then i'll be famous and like <laughs> yeah. isn't, isn't that kind of, and and i it's it's so that's weird like, because that's like trolling adjacent though yeah. that's like that's like like egging someone on for the attention yeah adjacent. it is definitely oh like morally sound or anything like that but i just think it's such a weird because like we live in such a weird space where people that were making stuff 100 years ago didn't have to think about rights as much as we do yeah that's true. Yeah, because everything wasn't public like that. Yeah. And I I don't know. I come from the world. The world of theater is so crazy about riots. And yeah. it's just like, I feel like I'm so like skirt around it so much. But then it's like, I feel like I see records come out that are like like big ass things. They have just like a blatant Missy Elliott sample. And I'm always like, people don't start like like people don't start caring until you have a bunch of money to give them like that's the biggest thing like that mm-hmm. uh that do you remember that harlem shake song yeah that so i remember i was like into that song before that happened and then like once it happened i was like i can't listen to this anymore and like it's yeah. crazy but he basically made a, like so much money from that but lost it all because the people just sued him for the samples and so there was like two different samples in it and he lost oh, all wow. of his money um and i think he's like fine now because he just dj's like huge right. ass things because he got famous enough so he's not like you know i don't feel bad talking about it being like that but like yeah he people only care when he makes so much money because it's like i know so many I, I honestly like I mean it's only always ever white boys that are doing it but there's so many people you know like using this Missy sample or using this like Aaliyah sample in like the UK somewhere and they're like yeah look like it's just it's so funny when people are you know accessing that American stuff from an un-American or from like a non-American place because it's just so different to me which is I'm mm. sure what a lot of people say with like me accessing other you know because I play music from like all over the place but it's like mm-hmm. I'm sure it sounds so different out of context just like someone else culturally doing it but yeah wow well yeah um no this is such a really i don't know where to go though because this is such an interesting conversation like i the i just think it's such a do you have a question yeah sure so no you're totally fine so um i have a i have a question in terms of like um how you figure out like So you use, like, you'll, like, record different people saying different things in your songs. And sometimes it's you, sometimes it's other people. Is there, like, a desired, like, quality of voice that DJs look for when they're, like, looking for folks to, like, say different things in their tracks? Or is it just, like, the content of what people are saying? Because you posted recently... um, looking for like queer POC to like talk about something political on your track. And so like, I'm wondering, are you more looking for like people who have something to say or like how something is going to sound with your track? I, I think that I'm always looking for people that, I think people that have something to say first and foremost, I think that like I, I definitely have had more, but that's not, also that's like not always true because I definitely have people sometimes who I have like pre-written stuff that like I want them to say or I have stuff like that or it's like they were never saying it in the first place to be recorded but I actually like they had had it recorded and I had the recording on my computer. So, but I think for me it's, um, it actually I think helps me to talk about this in terms of theater because a lot of the reason that I and I'm always like I quit theater but I'm literally like writing plays right now like I'm like the <laughs> when I do a plug later I'm gonna plug my like I have like a play that I has its like first public reading in July so I have like a big ass project coming cool. out which is cool. that's like people can come see which is I that's like not a club thing and it's also at like 3 p.m. so you can like go see it because it's <laughs> not at 3 a.m. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that always the thing is, like, what I think about it's, like, why why is it so offensive to me when, like, um, God, what's his name? Eddie, when, like, Eddie Redmayne plays, uh, what was that movie called? Uh, God, this is, like, where my, like, stoned out brain is. I'm, like, I don't know what that movie was called. He, like, might have won an Oscar for it. Or, like, Dallas Buyers Club, like, that whole Matthew McConaughey thing. Like, why it's so offensive is because, like, you just don't it's like i don't see any real anything where it's like a movie like i mean tangerine and it's like creation is problematic but one of the things that's not problematic about it is the fact that they cast like two trans women as the main part so you know it's just this something where it's like i literally can't relate to watching eddie redmayne but i can like relate to watching um 
Maya, Ty, Maya, Maya Taylor, Maya Tyler, something. Mia, Mia Taylor. That's, it's one of that. I have to like get her name right. I'm like, I'm taking, and then uh, Kiki, I don't know her last name, which is like more talks about how I can't, can remember these two dudes who play trans women, but not these two trans women who play trans women. In a, but you right. all should watch Tangerine if you haven't. It's a really good movie. Yeah. It's really good. Nice. It's, cool. yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think I think for me it's like I'm always interested in the, in an authentic sort of uh, sort of vocal, and I just think that usually ends up being like uh, more of a, an interesting vocal to have on that. But I'm also not I I'm I'm not very like I'm only have this type of voice or I only have that type of voice. Like it's very I think I played one of my sets I usually play sets like I usually play more of a DJ set where I'm like doing you know some of my tracks but mostly other people's tracks and mm-hmm. mixing it together but every so often when I'm playing in like a a sort of live venue more format I'll do a live set which for me is like I'm on the microphone maybe a little bit but it's mostly just me playing my own tracks and like the same kind of setup I do um but someone recently after I played was like oh I liked how it felt like a bunch of different voices in it and it, it it had that sort of feeling and I was like good that's what I want because that's like not my music isn't about I'm always concerned about you know my intention is never to be like like pop star doing that but it's definitely like DJ culture demands a certain amount of eyes to be ending up looking at you even though I feel like why I got into this was because it was like I'm like more hidden like I don't have to be like like I was like doing like so much time-based stuff where you have to be just like present in front of people and it's like I this I like so much prefer being like behind a deck literally um so i i don't know i really i really appreciate that that was said to me because i was like i think that you know so much of what i'm making musically is informed of like spending a lot of time with people in the club and spending a lot of time with like those people just like chilling with their cats like you know stuff like that and i like really want that to be you know I'm I'm glad that people are seeing me in my scene in a bigger way, uh, but I just want to make sure that like it's not just like me being seen, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Um, I want to ask about like pacing in your format with your. Do you find that like that your pacing is different depending on the space or? Like, does this make sense? Like, like I, this is like the real, like basic nuts and bolts way to ask this question is like, how long will you let a track go before you switch tracks? And does that, you know what I mean? Totally. I, so I actually, I literally always have tracks playing over that. Like I am like really, I am both, I'm both like very guilty, which I think is part of my style, but also like I said, I was listening back and I'm like, oh my God, this is like a lot. Um, where I'm like guilty of mixing in tracks too early. So starting literally playing like 45 seconds of one track and then starting the next track. But then I'm also guilty of letting the whole track play through. So I'll literally have like two things playing at the same time for a really long time. Or like when I have three CDJs, I'll have three things playing really long at the same time, which is like interesting and great, but also like, you know, sometimes one track playing at one time is good. So I think for me, whenever it's like a really like messy, loud club experience, I always mix faster and I always try to get that energy as big as that. And when I'm like more like playing a lounge at like a more loungy type, like I like, cause I also love, I love like banging it out and playing at the club mm. at like 3am, but I love doing like a 10am or 10pm to 12am set where I just get to play like, like more beautiful house stuff. Like even if it's like very chill, like, like, like some R and B, like that kind of thing. That's always like what I appreciate. And that t- does tend to be a slower pace, but I also definitely feel like what I really am trying to work on as a DJ is actually, and also for in the mixes I released is, um, being able to slow that pace down and really trusting my selection and tracks and not having mm. to feel the need to mix in all times and be be okay with doing nothing because like I don't know I feel like a lot of DJing is like literally doing nothing and like yeah. I you know I I feel so on like on camera not on you know uh, like in the spotlight all the time that I'm like I have to be doing things all the time but I'm just like I it's definitely important and I definitely will always have that focus but I just like have to remember the choice of you know stopping and chilling and breathing and listening you know mm-hmm. <laughs> all the things i forget to do 
<laughs> well, it's super, you know, I come from, um, we're actually both, I don't know if we've mentioned this in the show, but and if you're a, a, a listener that listens frequently, you've heard, now heard this a hundred times, but Maureen <laughs> and I are both opera singers. That's how oh, we started. Cool. Oh, and gosh. so we, that's like w- how we started the podcast and how we've met people. And I've done a lot of um, programming, like like art song night and opera aria nights and stuff like that. And so th- thinking about that, like from a, like pacing from that kind of a way, like, and a lot of times I'll, like the things that I find myself thinking a lot about are um, like is how much what can an audience actually sit through mm-hmm. how does that what do you like as far as when you're thinking about like what you can expect from an audience how do you think about that like is it about like do you have a like do, is it just I don't entirely know what I'm trying to ask because I'm trying to figure out how to translate it into what what I, it would be. I, I, yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. I, yeah, because I definitely, I'm always like, because my answer is zero. Like, I literally, like, have no expectation of anyone because, like, anytime there's going to be somewhere else where you could, like, talk to someone or yeah. have drinks, you're going to do that. And, like, I'm always like, yeah, if I could, I mean, I think, like, I always like, like, I, I did not know you were opera singers. I love that. I, like, I'm obsessed with opera. It's, like, cool. the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I always am, like, I always appreciate in the in an opera when, which is not usually the case, honestly, but, like, when you could, like, go and, like, have a drink and come back. And, like, I feel like it's only in, like, those, like, like 12-hour productions where you can do that. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, part of also, like, what is great about opera is that it demands you to sit without your phone watching something for a very long time in a way that we never do anymore. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's something ritualistic and important about that. And I always appreciate when there's actually people that have that same focus when I'm playing, because I always have that same focus when I'm playing. And it just, like, that always, for me, even if, like, one or two people are doing that, that is, like, literally what keeps me going during sets. Because it sometimes is one or two people. Like, I... I played a big crowds and I played a crowds of like two people and it's sometimes at events where it's like I'll expect a lot of people and there won't be a lot of people there or mm-hmm. the opposite where all of a sudden I'm playing to like a bunch of people but um yeah I mean I yeah I feel like I answered it yeah I was yeah, like yeah. I was gonna talk more and I was like I don't know what I'm gonna ramble about no well and I think uh, it's so interesting because you know in a lot of ways I think a lot of people that come at this production side from um not the nightlife are like okay how long can people actually sit through but in a lot of ways like when you're working a like a, a shift i guess you could say or like when you're doing a set that's what i mean to say when yeah. you're doing a set like a you're shift. on you have to be on the, i don't know someone, <laughs> no i mean to... i think about it as shift sometimes like it definitely is like when i play for an hour or two it doesn't feel like a shift but when i'm like yeah when i'm playing for like four or five hours especially if i'm playing like at like like if if I'm the only DJ there and I'm literally there when it opens and there till it closes, like yeah. it feels like a shift. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I always think of you know because you you bring up your theater background. Like when I've produced um, like staged things, where I'm thinking about it from my perspective of like, wow, okay, we're doing two weekends of this and the run is like two hours. Like I don't want the people that are like even the performers and the people that are producing. Like I don't want to have to feel like this is good this is three hours right and like oh i have to do this again tomorrow and again the next day like i like to some extent like you know like i appreciate when something is considerate of the audience being able to like sit through it but also like and and that that to me is such an interesting like parallel to this idea of like here's where i I wonder if the parallel like do you find what do you find is um that this kind of like keeping an audience's attention like do you find that there are like is that something that you worry about or you do just kind of like try and do your thing and if people aren't if people kind of zone out like then that's just part of it oh no i definitely i definitely try to it's 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 always important to me to keep audiences attention Mm -hmm. i definitely like I don't know. I think I think I had like a good example last time when I, I was playing in Detroit for uh, when the Movement Festival happens. Like, there's just like a bunch of it's like big techno mecca. Everyone comes there that weekend. There's like so many parties, and I was playing this one party on a Friday, and 
I was like, okay, I brought all of this like banger tech now. Like I'm playing in Detroit. I'm going to play tech now. And I started playing and I was just like, if I was super stubborn, I would have like played through that whole set and no one would have done any, like no one would have been there. But I was just like, this isn't working. Like clearly like I'm not feeling this. Like I'm feeling like I am not doing the right job. Um, and then when I switched it up, like people were actually like dancing in there and more of that. And I think for me, it's like, I... I think like as a DJ, you just have to be really prepared to throw everything away and start over and just like do something completely different. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's a really, you know, something that we, and I've mentioned this a couple times on the last few episodes, something we've been thinking a lot of the, about is this idea of balancing like flexibility and like a curatorial eye. Because mm-hmm. that, that's, a, that's a very real thing in so many different forms is this idea of like, you, sometimes you're brought something, you know, it happens a lot. We were talking about this with um, Camp, the comedy show pr- mm-hmm. producers, where like, when you want to build an inclusive space and you're like having guests, artists come and do a set or like you have like being wanting to be open with, or like with a pile of teeth too, where they were talking about this too, where like, you know, you want to make sure that you're include like doing an inclusive space and bringing in people, like letting less minute guests on or, or anything like that. But also like balancing that, like I want to make sure that my identity and curatorial eye as an artist is still represented. Right. That feels so interesting. Like from a, from a stance of like, exactly how you said like sometimes you have to just completely scrap and start from somewhere else like is that um do you find that that's that becomes more challenging to like keep your like artistic vision or like curatorial eye or do you find that like you have a lot of places to start from that you can that you uh you know it really depends i mean i i think more so the latter like I Mm. always feel like it's like just I feel like I have I've done it long enough where I feel like I know how to do that how to how to be able to start over and still have my own voice at the same time but it's definitely I I've tried to stop taking gigs because I've definitely had a lot of gigs where I'm like I know I'm the wrong DJ for what was booked yeah and I have tried to stop taking gigs like that because it's just like I'll get there and I'll be like I knew this and like I definitely you know it's like I just know, I just know when someone actually, like, when my, what I provide isn't going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And, like, if it's, like, you know, I can, I'm super malleable, so it's not that much of at the time, but it sometimes is. Because, like, I'm just good, I, what I'm very good at is making a bunch of people that don't want to dance in a room dance. And, like, so, but it's, like, never, it, it used to be, I don't know, I just always appreciate it because it's, like, I there's there's definitely you know there's definitely ways that i can do it that feels cheap and not myself and i think it's just learning the ways that feels like myself to do it you know so i'm wondering first of all what brought you to chicago and then also secondly uh what's keeping you in chicago oh yeah um that's a great question i'm like uh yeah so actually what originally brought me to chicago is um I went to school in Evanston. I went to Northwestern. So it was literally just like, a, I like graduated college or I graduated high school and I was like coming to, to go to theater school there. Uh, so that initially brought me here. And then I ended up actually staying in Chicago after that because I like wanted, I was also, I was a, I was definitely scared at the time to go to, or to go to New York or LA. I didn't think New York was at the time was the only other place I was really considering going to. I was considering going to San Francisco for a while. I was considering going to Portland for a while. I've had like a lot of places where I was like, <laughs> maybe I should go here. And I've never actually done any of them, nor do I necessarily want to do any of them. But, um, yeah, but then I ended up, I ended up staying to like work in Chicago theater and like really wanting to like work in like, you know, doing like avant-garde theater here. And I did that for a little while here and still do it sometimes. Um, but then ended up like going to clubs and being in the queer scene. But then also like, you know, I've always been into electronic music, but seeing it from like a, and this kind of goes into what is keeping me here, which is kind of the discovery of house music here and the discovery of, um, you know, what it's actually like to be in that scene and like be dancing to house music in a room of people as opposed to just like listening to it or like having a sort of like separate separate thing from it and i yeah for me that really that that and like the stability of being a working artist here has been like really actually helpful and like it's definitely you know it's definitely hard and it's not the perfect place to 
be a working artist, but it has a lot of perks. And like, you know, I think mm-hmm. that I definitely still always consider, consider other places because I'm always like, what's, what's next? Like, what am I going to do? I don't know. And uh, my, my way I'm trying to do it right now is to like not spend the winter here, but mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, Chicago is important to me because it's just like, this is where all my, yeah, like so much of my inspiration comes from here. And like, I really, I, I haven't really been to a city recently where I'm like, you know, like this is what, this is more me than like what this city is. And I didn't always feel that. I like hated Chicago when I first got here, but it was mostly because I got here from Florida and yeah. it's so like, I still, I love to complain in the winter here because people hate to, hate, people like, like true Chicago people just hate when you complain about the winter. And I love complaining from day one until the end. Like I fucking, <laughs> uh, it's the worst, but I actually survived it this year, which I was happy about because I didn't leave my house, which was great. So that's how I survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm very much like thinking that for um winter winter 2018 that and I don't know if I've talked to you this so much about it yet, but we we should really get out of Chicago because yes. I've been here for five years and like every winter, I mean my first winter back uh, back in because I'm originally from New York when I first had my first North winter again, I was like, oh, this is great. I needed this after just like ten years of just like straight heat totally. and yeah. very little water because like the beach was like an hour drive. Um, but this summer we should get to the water. Um, another thing I really wanted to talk about, and sorry, did you want to talk about anything? With Okay, just, <laughs> just checking in, because I'm kind of like jumping everywhere. Um, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot with people that are making stuff in Chicago is this idea of something that uh, um, that I've just kind of been wanting to explore the last few episodes, which is this idea of like producing in quantity. Like the people that it was, you know, the thing that was remarkable to me was Anytime that we've kind of had anybody talk about, like, oh, they produce, like, a weekly show, or they produce, they do a show that happens, you know, like, for us, we do, we try and do this daily at best, like, the podcast. So this idea of doing things, you know, a lot of people that are working in Chicago, like, sometimes with their work, it's like, they're, they're, like, getting reps in, you know? And I wonder, sorry, (laughs) I wonder how, how, um how much that resonates with like the experience of of doing dj work like you know playing sets like like how like because how often do you, you like play a set a week usually um it's usually i would say anywhere from from like two two to four but it's sometimes it, it really depends yeah sometimes it's been i had a couple of weeks ago where i realized i played for 10 days with one day break and i was like this is crazy like yeah. i don't know why but yeah i would say like two to two to four usually do you so when you as a person who's now like kind of developed this practice um do you find yourself when you enter that kind of like self-analytical space do you find yourself thinking more about the individual show's quality or do you think of yourself of your skills individually oh my gosh skills uh i think about the show i feel like i don't usually think about yeah i don't think about myself and like my, I think, yeah, I, I think about this sort of individual thing as opposed to, yeah, and I think I think I can definitely see how I've grown, but I definitely, like, yeah, and, you know, there's sometimes when I, like, I pull myself out of it when I feel like this is actually really important to, like, where I am mm-hmm. in my growth as a career and my growth as an artist, but, like, yeah, I definitely feel, you know, whenever that's happening, I feel like the party's also, like, jumping. Like, I'm never, like, I never feel like I'm, like, improving my craft when everyone's, like, not paying attention. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. So it kind of goes hand in hand, but, yeah. that's I've never thought about that before. I, that's, like, it's something good, I've been yeah. really thinking about more because, you know, we've been fortunate to talk to more people that, like, and not to say that the people we started, when we first were started, did, weren't, like, No, frequently. no. The people we talked to before were garbage. Well, <laughs> yeah, <but> no. <laughs> But I, I think what we've found is that the people that we're talking to recently are, they are, like, craftsmen. Right. craftspeople, rather. Sorry for gendered. Oh, anyway. no, I mean, you, um, know. you know what I mean. The, yes, exactly. uh, the, like, it's just so interesting, like, to, because that, I think, is the, when you're working in, because that's the thing is when you're working in quantity, it's like it's not like you don't care about quality. Like, of course you do. Like, of course mm-hmm. you want to make sure that everything you put out is quality. But like that, I think, is a really interesting because I think that there are like for people that work in like a consistent, like at least weekly practice, like that is the balance that like I think I, f- I feel like we've met people that do both where they're like, I think more about my craft, whereas I think more about the individual show. Like, I like it's kind of a, an interesting 
like dichotomy thing and uh, yeah i'm i'm interested in exploring that more yeah no same i'm gonna be thinking about that tonight cool. <laughs> like i'm playing also like a 15 minute set tonight and i was like i literally another dj was complaining they're like i don't want to play for just 30 minutes and i was like well i'm playing for 15 so <laughs> how do you what do you do i mean do you it's, pretty much know what you're gonna do like honestly no it's I'm, yeah. like the thing is usually like i don't plan it like i'm gonna try out my set i'm like planning i'm like after this i'm gonna go home and um and plan my set. I'm playing in Atlanta this weekend, so I'm right. like trying to like focus on that. So I'm going to use tonight as like a. I'm just kind of focused, and I'm also going to play. Uh, I'm going to play back to back with another DJ, which is always like hard to prep mm. for because I'm like I don't know what they're going to do, and I've never played with them, so it's that. But yeah, it's like you know, this is like for me for like when I, I'm like running the party tonight, and when I'm running the party, it's like I don't usually try to. I the last thing I'm fo- like I it's the you know the other DJ there's four resident DJs so the like the guest gets most of the time and it's only like a four hour party and there's like drag queens performing so it's like by the time like there's like two hours to play and then no one wants to play the first hour so everyone's playing like 15 minutes and I was like this is gonna be great like it's gonna be fun and everyone's like being all like man and I'm mm. like I don't know what else you want me to do. I was like, you make the schedule. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm just like going in. They're going to listen to this and be like, why were you saying this about my party? I'm like, I would say this to anybody. <laughs> like, I would I would post this online. I would be like, I did. I posted it in front of the group. I literally called this DJ out being like, you're fine. You can play that long. Like, if you don't want to play that long, like, you can redo the schedule. <laughs> and I was like, I'm being bad. I'm a Virgo. What can I say? I'm like, I have you Virgo know. resin. Uh, yeah. Which is very relatable. Oh yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, Cool. Well, we've actually gone a little <laughs> yeah. over, but that's okay. Oh my God. This yeah, has been really, no, really great. Yeah. Um, so the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like letting people know uh, where they can see your work or about any upcoming performances that you're writing for July that you were mentioning before. Oh, if that's, yes. a, if that's a thing. <laughs> yes. that, um, we also love uh, hearing shout-outs to other folks that are doing dope work um, or any media that you're personally consuming, um, whether that be self-care or otherwise, music, movies, TV shows, things like that. Cool. I'm gonna watch the clock and be like, I'm doing exactly a minute. You but, don't. You uh, definitely don't have to. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a thing. We we say the minute just so that there's any semblance of format at all. But I also recognize that like, because we throw the extra 500 things in when there's like five guests on, so that they like aren't like, oh well, they already said the thing we were talking about. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I have a couple DJ gigs coming up in Chicago that I'm curating which is uh so june 28th uh my party at smart bar i'm playing with two of the disc woman signees from berlin um this girl zero and this girl mobile girl who both do absolutely bonkers crazy stuff and like we never get djs from berlin so i'm excited from berlin germany in berlin mm-hmm. germany not berlin nightclub this time uh and then july 20th so june 28th and july 20th um july 20th my party at the hideout called Ariel's Party. Um, I have two DJs coming from Texas who uh, are part of this label Halcyon Veil that makes absolutely crazy bonkers shit too. Um, 4th of July, my party rumors happens. Um, And then if you're in New York, uh, July or June 22nd, I'm playing um, the Get Wrecked Pride party at Elsewhere. So I'm playing New York Pride. Um, where else am I playing? I'm playing in Kentucky, or not Kentucky. I'm playing in Kansas City uh, for Awful Fest on July 14th. Um, I have a reading of a play on July 7th. Uh, it's called Mechanisms of Fidelity. It's basically like my, there's no, it's like, I was like, there's no electronic music in it. So there's no electronic music. It's set in rural Spain. It's like this surrealist uh, play about a family with four daughters. It's like very... Can we have you back on to talk about this? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, I could I could do a whole pl- uh, like literally like yeah. Ariel as a playwright cuz I'm yeah, I'm yeah, that's my secret life is I'm still like heavily involved in theater, but cool. like yeah, but this is yeah. Um yeah, but those are the upcoming stuff. Uh, soundcloud.com/arielzatina is where you can listen to all my music. Um I'm or I'm at arielzatina at literally everything else at uh, Facebook I'm DJ arielzatina, but Twitter Instagram, I'm Ariel Zatina. I post things all the time. Cool. I think that's my plug. Cool. I shout people a lot on there, so you'll see. Nice. (laughs) 
<laughs> nice. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dayon Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We spell it S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G.com. We post articles and podcasts almost daily. In fact, pretty much daily. Um, so do check that out. Uh, we're also on social media on Facebook. We have a Facebook page called Scopy Magazine. We also have a Facebook group that we love and adore called Sounding Board, um, where we talk about local arts and politics, and we also talk about astrology. Just mentioning because we've talked about oh, astrology. Yes. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, it's super. We we a lot of people share those like tag your sign things. You know, they're like the twelve images, and then it's the just everybody ragging on that sign. It's fucking great. Um, anyway. Uh, where am I? Uh, other social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under Scopy Mag. And you could also find the podcast at most podcast places under Scopy Radio. And as always, I'm here to talk about the importance of subscribing. If you head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our subscribe page, there are a couple ways that you can do that. The first is to sign up for email blasts that will let you know whenever we post something on the site. This is important because even though we post across social media platforms, Facebook eats our shit. So if you want to see 100% of what we're doing and not just 30% of it, then you should sign up for those emails. The other is to become a member. Uh, at $5 a month, you're going to get a pin that says, or a button that says, go out and make something. At $10 a month, you're going to be on the RSVP list for our upcoming Scopy Studio house concerts. Uh, we need nine more people to sign up at that donation level so that we can pay our fucking artists. Uh, and then if you're interested in advertising opportunities, please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com. So give a little, give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>